This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're dawning our way through episode number 54. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and as I promised a couple of weeks ago, this week we're going to talk about some breastfeeding issues. What we're really going to talk about is when weaning says, I love you. We hear a lot about breastfeeding and how great breastfeeding is and how important breastfeeding is, and there's not so much information about weaning, so I get a lot of questions about weaning, and it seemed like a good topic to cover. Uh, I want to say that most of this information, and I'll underscore this throughout the episode, with this information I'm talking about an older child, so a toddler at the very earliest, an early baby, but really I do believe that you should nurse your baby throughout the first year, and then beyond that, uh, the World Health Organization recommends 24 months, but beyond that, as long as is mutually desired by both of you, and that helps lead into This concept of weaning that has taken hold in our breastfeeding culture tends to be weaning is one of two things. It's either forced weaning versus child-led weaning. Forced weaning means that mom decides that she's done and that's that and it's over. And usually we kind of picture that as being traumatic for the child, even though it may not always be. But that's that's the way we perceive it. And there's child led weaning which is when you let the child take the lead and decide when to wean. And the mental image that comes to mind with that is that the child is happy, but then you have this big four-year-old or six-year-old or school-age kid who's still nursing, and you have a mom who's either A, tied down and miserable by that, or B, she gets some sort of sick, sadistic pleasure out of it. And all of those stereotypes that I just mentioned are not really accurate. And I would definitely say that the one about a mom getting some sort of sick, sadistic pleasure out of breastfeeding has problems. First, because many, many moms are not fond of toddlers doing acrobatics while attached to the breast and twiddling and playing and trying to nurse stuffed animals and toy dinosaurs and toy fire trucks at the same time as them. It's just not amusing. And it's also wrong uh, because breastfeeding is pleasurable for many moms. It's biologically wired to be. For instance, the uh, it stimulates the release of oxytocin, which is the love hormone. So biologically, we're primed to enjoy breastfeeding. And oxytocin is stimulated when you're just hanging out with your friends, or when you're cooking a great meal, or when you're reading a good book. Uh, and we we enjoy those. We find pleasure in those activities, and we don't characterize that as some sick and twisted sexual thing. So breastfeeding being pleasurable and enjoyable for a mother is not a sick, twisted sexual thing, even though it stimulates the same hormones that lovemaking may happen to, which is oxytocin and others along with it. But, I mean, cooking dinner... And a lovely dinner that you love or watching a movie or hanging out with the guys 
or the girls, <laughs> for those of you daddies who are listening, hanging out with the guys. I mean, but that stimulates oxytocin too, and you don't think about that as being sexual. So I think the only reason why breastfeeding gets that kind of sexual stigma attached to it is because it happens to involve breasts as well as oxytocin. And that problem is a cultural problem. It's not a problem with the mother. So having covered those stereotypes and why they're not really fair, I also want to mention that forced weaning and child-led weaning are not the only options. And the other option is the option that I recommend that you take. And that's what I hinted at a few minutes ago. You continue breastfeeding for as long as mutually desired. Breastfeeding and weaning are mutual decisions. It's a mutual relationship. Uh, we want to let our baby nurse as much as possible in the early days. We want to let our baby nurse um, frequently, nurse for long periods. That's normal. So again, what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about with your newborn. I'm not talking about with your two, four, six, even eight-month-old. What I'm really talking about is when you're thinking about breastfeeding and how it's going to continue, when you have an 11-month-old and you're looking towards the first year, or when you have a 16 or 18-month-old or a 24-month-old, this is what I'm talking about. So yes, go by the gold standard early and often in the early days. A lot of what you're going to be doing in the early days with a newborn is nursing, 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 nursing. That's totally normal, totally expected. It's a self-sacrificing time. But as your baby transforms into a toddler and you both desire the nursing relationship to continue, there may be some modifications. And that may not be weaning. In fact, I said that this episode is on weaning, but a lot of what we're going to talk about is perhaps how not to wean or perhaps how to adjust so that breastfeeding is extended with some changes. Uh, And so basically, I think that mutual breastfeeding is when you take into account what the child wants which tends to be to nurse. And then also mom may put some loving boundaries down. And that is totally reasonable because when we are talking about breastfeeding your child, you are in the equation and the body that is making the milk and doing the nursing is your body. And teaching another human being, in this instance your baby, that somebody, in this instance you, having boundaries on her body is a healthy and an okay thing, is a healthy and an okay lesson for them to learn. So let's explore this. We're going to begin with night weaning. And let's talk first... I, when I did the outline, I actually put the I put the when before the why. But I think I'm gonna in when I teach this to you, I'm gonna do the why first. So why might you consider night weaning, and why would night weaning be the topic that I choose to start with? <clears throat> it's because night weaning can help you keep breastfeeding. If you want to continue breastfeeding and you're really feeling very touched out or very stretched out, stressed out by it, often the reason is because nursing is going on unrestricted at night. We hear about the family bed, and, and, and it's especially true if it's not the family bed. You probably already know why, because you're getting up out of bed multiple times at, uh, every night. But we hear about the family bed, we read about the family bed when we're pregnant, and it sounds wonderful and romantic and perfect, and that the baby has unrestricted access, and mom can basically sleep through the nursings, 
And once your newborn has settled into nursing well at night and doesn't have nights and days mixed up, but just knows that it's nurse and go back to sleep, there is some truth to that. Once your baby is bigger and more active, your baby may again begin to think that nighttime is time to play, but often older babies are they're more forceful with nursing. They may move a lot. Uh, my last few babies have really tend to, tended to be kickers. My core one was he kind of pinched at night and, and picked at me. And that just, you can imagine how that might drive one crazy. And oftentimes they'll, they'll get to a point where they're relentless with nursing. They want to be stuck to the breast all the time and if they fall off they wake you up so that they can latch back on and so you're awake and then they nurse for a little while and they fall asleep and they come off the breast and they immediately wake up and it's just a repetitive cycle so nighttime nursing can end up being exhausting and it impacts daytime nursing and if you're feeling overwhelmed with nursing during the day even if nighttime nursing feels relatively doable you may consider night weaning to help make the the daytime nursing go more smoothly. And we'll talk about some issues that can come up with daytime nursing too in a minute. But so that's the why. Usually if a mom's feeling really overwhelmed with breastfeeding but is also really beating herself up because she wants to keep breastfeeding, I first suggest that she strongly consider night weaning because that will usually help ease the issue. So that's why I would recommend night weaning. Now, if everybody is totally happy with the nighttime situation, I see no need to night wean. So don't feel like just because my baby is X months old, I need to consider night weaning. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if there is unhappiness in your breastfeeding relationship, night weaning can be the the simplest solution that may help prolong breastfeeding while also saving your sanity. So again, night wean once your baby is older. Usually the point with my babies at which I've started to consider night weaning is 11 to 12 months. And it's varied based on the baby. For instance, my Brennan, my third baby, he nursed the longest of any of my babies. And he also stayed in the family bed and night nursed for the longest of any of my babies. He was laid back as a baby. He's still a pretty laid back, almost 10 year old now. And he was laid back in the bed and it just, it worked. So I think that you go based on the age of the child, but I would not consider night weaning until your baby is 11 or 12 months old and well established on solid foods. I really think it ends up being later for most, but if you're really having trouble sleeping and there's really issues going on, then 11 to 12 months, I think is a reasonable time to begin to begin thinking of night weaning. Uh, and then if you're considering moving your little one out of the family bed into his or her, her own bed, I would night wean before you do that. Now, some people may say it's easier if you move the little one out, but for me, it has been easier to wean. Usually I sleep uh, in my birthday suit or something that's very easily accessible for nursing. And when I'm trying to night wean, I will choose to sleep in something that may not be quite so easy. So that there's a physical barrier, but so that the little one is still in bed with me. Because that way you can still give physical comfort throughout the night, which may actually be what your baby is craving. Um, and and you're you're not depriving them of that you're still giving them that so i would 
if you're going to move your little one out of the family bed, I would night wean. Let that be the routine, you know, get the night night weaning procedure done with so that they're not asking to nurse at night anymore. And then give it three to four more weeks before you move them either to your own bed in your room, which is the transitional step we've usually taken, or until you move them into their own room or a sibling's room. Just separate that a little bit so that they have some time to adjust to the new situation. That's the way we've done it. Again, some people say do it all at once so that it's all over and done with, and that may be an option that's right for your family. That's just not what our family has done. But so if if you're not getting any sleep at night, it's probably time to night wean as long as you have the older baby. If you have a younger baby, we can do an episode on that at some point. But, um, and then if your little one isn't sleeping well, like my, I said, my last few babies have gotten really kicky, punchy, pinchy at night and their quality of sleep was suffering. And then again, when you're not happy with breastfeeding, if breastfeeding is just not working well for you, then night weaning is the first option I would consider, I would urge you to consider. Now, how do you go about night weaning? Loving limits are okay. Again, this is with an older baby or a toddler. Newborns and middle-aged babies, they they aren't going to really understand loving limits all that much. They're just going to want to know that they want a nurse and they want that comfort and they're not getting it. But once you're dealing with an older baby, 11, 12, 13, 14 month old or a toddler, they're more able to understand limits. This is the... This is what we've tended to use if it's been time to night wean. And I think I've ended up night weaning all of my little ones. I don't remember with Cassidy if night weaning coincided with her actual weaning. But for most of them, I know that I've night weaned first. So what the first time, the first thing that you do is set a time for nursing to cut off at night. And then decide a time for nursing to resume. And you might do this gradually. So for the first week, you decide that no more nurse, no nursing past 2 a.m. And then you may say no nursing past 11 p.m. And then you may say no nursing past bedtime, whatever time that is, 7, 7, 38 p.m. No more nursing after that night nursing or, you know, after the before bed nursing. So you might move it back gradually. Or you may, I tend to set it at something like um, like 11 to begin with because we'll do a nursing before I put the little one to bed and then a nursing when I come to bed. And then no nursing until the time for the nursing to resume. And again, this may be done gradually. So at first it may be 5 a.m. We won't nurse until 5 a.m. And then a lot of moms choose sunrise as the next logical thing. So once the sun is up, and depending on what time of the year it is, that may be too early for you. Um, but it's easy for little ones to understand. When the sun is down, mama's breasts are asleep or nurses or nummies or whatever your baby or your little one calls them are asleep. When the sun is up, it's time for nurses or nummies or whatever. So the sunrise makes a good marker. If the sun is coming up a little bit too early for your tastes, just before or after breakfast is also a good marker because little ones understand we'll nurse just before breakfast or we've had breakfast so now we'll sit on the couch and nurse. Those are meal times tend to be 
markers that little ones can understand. So those markers can help you to help you to communicate to your child what's going on. But depending on their age, these may just be things that you decide in your mind. Uh, and then usually this will this will help gradually phase out the night nursings because you're going for larger and larger blocks of time that they're not nursing. I've usually had a sippy cup of water beside the bed. And again, like I said, I, I make it so that nursing is not accessible to the child. I'm wearing clothing that they just like a long nightgown or something that they cannot ex- access. So they can't easily get that. And I'll offer them a sippy cup of water, which usually I'll get a sip or two and then dissatisfaction. And then I just hold the child. So even if my child is upset, and you can expect that a child may be upset during this during this process, but they're still, they're in my arms and they're getting that comfort from me. This is also a time for daddy to shine. In fact, when we've decided to night wean uh, and even to wean completely, because usually our before bed nursing is the very last nursing that we drop with a child who's weaning. But uh, this is a good time for daddy to come in and take over the bedtime routine or take over the nighttime comforting. So again, the child may be upset, but daddy is... There, he's able to hold a little one in his arms. He's able to be there and offer that support for that little one. Um, and so those are just some ideas to help gradually go through a night weaning schedule. And again, this is really personal. You're going to want to think about it. Uh, like with my Galen, my fourth baby, I was I was having trouble sleeping. He was one of my kickers. We were really having trouble sleeping, but he also had special needs and health issues. He wasn't eating very well. He couldn't he couldn't do solid foods. So to me, completely night weaning was not a good option because I wanted to make sure that he was getting those calories. Uh, and he was older, you know, 13, 14 months old. He needed the calories. And so we did a pretty small window from about 11 to 5 where he wasn't going to nurse. But then starting at 5, because my milk supply had really built back up and he got a really rich nursing and then uh, unrestricted essentially throughout the day up until 11. But it's still that 11 to 5 window gave me some time where I wasn't nursing, that I was able to really sleep and feel more energized. Expect that any nighttime routine changes. This is, I mean, this is this is night weaning. This is teaching them to sleep in their own bed. This is teaching them not to get up a million times a night. Any routine like that, I've found two to three weeks is the average of what it takes. And this has been pretty true for all of my children. It may not be true for some tougher children or some children who really need more support. But again, that's an individualized thing and for a family. But as a general rule, I know that if we can be firm but gentle and comforting for two weeks you know nummies will get up when the sun comes up then the little one will settle into the new routine and usually the sippy cup of water is only needed for a couple of nights because they don't really want it anyways Uh, but it's just there to offer something so it's not like they're going to continue to need water in the night for years and years and years it's just kind of a surrogate to help (laughs) ease that transition and it is a transition and it's a mommy-led or a mommy and daddy-led transition but I think it can often be a good one Okay, so when, when are other times to consider weaning? And this is talking about daytime. 
weaning? When should you consider fully weaning? So if you're happy with breastfeeding, if you're happy with your nursing relationship, don't wean. It doesn't matter if your mother-in-law or your mom is tisk-tisking you or if you're getting peer pressure because you know everybody else weaned their babies at 12 months on the dot. If you are happy with the situation, don't wean. And again, I recommended at the beginning of the podcast that you commit to your baby's first year. And I would really encourage you to to that. I know some moms like to do the, I'm going to commit to six months and then they get to six months. And when it's going smoothly, they then commit to a first year. But I would say commit to nursing for your baby's first year and do everything you can to nurse during that period or to get breast milk to your baby during that period. The World Health Organization, again, recommends up to 24 months, which is two years, and that's a good recommendation, though I'm, I've had many babies hit that point, but a couple who haven't, and I felt guilty for it initially, but now I've realized that it's probably better. There are other bigger things to feel guilty about. So if breastfeeding doesn't work out for that full 24-month gold standard, then that's okay. In fact, many families have found that the 18 to 24-month window is a natural weaning point. But if you and your baby are happy, you can go on and nurse past that. And then if your baby has health issues or special needs, I would really recommend that you commit to trying to nurse for as long as your child is going to nurse because there are so many benefits to breastfeeding. So if you've got a child who has chronic health issues or any sort of special needs, try and keep that breast milk coming. But aside from those generalized recommendations on why to continue breastfeeding, you should wean if you are terribly unhappy nursing. Okay, definitely do that. But hold on before you decide that you're completely unhappy nursing. Hear me out, okay? And another time you might consider weaning is during a pregnancy. Uh, so if you're, if you know that you're going to have a high risk pregnancy, if uh, recurrent miscarriage is an issue, if you're carrying multiples, you may consider weaning just for that reason. If you're having a singleton pregnancy that's really healthy and low risk, nursing is safe, as I mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, but you may be feeling some discomfort and things and... You may consider weaning, but you can try setting loving boundaries. Most of my babies have ended up weaning during a pregnancy because it can be really challenging, but it's not insurmountable if you want to keep on nursing during your pregnancy. And then one other time you may consider nursing is if you have an older toddler and you really want to conceive again and you're not. Some women just, some women get pregnant breastfeeding really easily. Let me give that little disclaimer, but some women will not ovulate if they're even doing one nursing session a day. So if you have an older toddler and you've been trying to get pregnant for a while and it's just not happening and you really want to get pregnant, then you may consider weaning and that may enable you to get pregnant. But let's talk about when breastfeeding isn't fun, when you're miserable nursing. Loving boundaries can be a good solution for you. Again, I'm talking about an older baby or toddler. I'm not talking about a little newborn or a three or four or six month old or an eight month old really even. This isn't, this is 11, 12 on up, you know, 13, 14 months into toddlerhood. So when breastfeeding isn't fun, think about loving boundaries. 
So what if you feel like you're always nursing? This is something that I've run into. This is actually something that I ran into with my little Brennan, who I said was my laid, most laid back baby and stayed nursing. He nursed the longest and he stayed in the family bed and, and night nursed for the longest. But during the day, he got into the habit at one point. He was, oh, he was close to three at this point, I think. But he, anytime I sat down, he was in my lap wanting to nurse. And it was just driving me nuts. He was older. He didn't need to nurse that much. And it was just driving me crazy. So loving limits helped extend our breastfeeding relationship at that point because I didn't want to wean him yet. But I did want to, I did want to be able to sit down without always having a toddler in my lap. So what I did for him was we nursed only at set times during the day. And what worked for us was we nursed at breakfast. I can't remember now if it was before or after breakfast. But it was either before or after the meal, and then before or after lunch, and then before or after supper. And that's when we nursed. And we may have nursed at snack times to, I don't remember. <laughs> Again, it's been almost 10 years. But essentially, nursing times were tied to meal times. And the reason for that was not so much because nursing is a food. It was more because that was a time of day that it was easy for Brennan to understand, okay, this is when we'll have nummies, which is what my family's always called nursing. And other times are not times for nummies. That was an easy concept for him to understand. And then we also nursed before bed. So there was always the bedtime nursing. And that was actually, like I mentioned earlier, the last nursing to go. So nursing at a set time either based on meal times or whatever works for you can be really helpful especially with an older toddler who can really start to understand that concept of we're only going to have nursing at this time nursing for a set time limit is something else that works what has worked for me is singing a song and I think that I've mentioned this on a podcast before uh, when we talked some about pregnancy nursing, but singing the duration of a song. I usually pick the ABC song. Singing a song like that is nice because you can decide to sing the song for a long time, a nice long drawn out ABC ballad, or you can sing it quick. And that's it's really good during pregnancy because sometimes you can handle it and sometimes it's just driving you up the wall and you need them to be done. And, and even if it's only a few sips, you know, you've nursed. And keeping it at the few sips frequently is more likely to encourage weaning. So I think that I think that more than nursing at a set time of day, nursing for a set time limit is more likely to urge a child towards weaning. So depending on what your goals are, you may prefer one over the other or a combination of both. But if your goal is to really <clears throat> try and urge the child towards weaning, nursing for a set time limit is more likely to do that. But if you're wanting to extend the nursing relationship and just not feel quite so touched out, then you may not want to do the set time limit thing. Just do it at set times. What if there's biting or pinching, other kinds of th things like that that are just irritating? 
this is where really strong boundaries about you and your person come into place. I would recommend that you smother a biting child if you can do it. And this may be more effective with a, a littler child than a bigger toddler. What I mean by that is if you pull your child hard into your breast as soon as you feel those teeth starting to bite down, you cut off their air supply. They can't breathe. And in the <laughs> in self-preservation, they let go because that's the only way that they can breathe. And you can talk to a doctor or a pediatrician about this. This I mean, this is a commonly recommended way to handle handle biting babies or, or biting toddlers. I mean, they let go right away. It works very quickly. And if that doesn't work right away, then obviously you're going to let off the pressure. You're not going to hold your child there. But um but it's just it's a self-preservation instinct that they can't breathe, so they're going <gasps> to let go. And usually, especially with a younger one, if you do that once or twice, it conditions them not to do it. And I don't want to sound mean about it, but your nipple is being chomped on and it has to stop. It's not a behavior that can continue. Another thing that can work very well is you can smother to get them to let go or you can reach a pinky in and break the latch, assuming that you can do that when they're biting down. Uh, and then you can put the child down on the floor. Just the nursing session is done. Cassidy, my first baby, she bit me once and I was just so surprised that I put her down on the floor and she started screaming because she was unhappy with that and I don't think she ever tried it again. Just my pain, shock, etc., etc., and then getting put down on the floor and being removed from nursing was enough for her to realize, okay, that's not a good idea. So I think separating, and this can go for pinching or anything like that, The just separate them from the harmful behavior. You know, say, this is mama's body, these are mama's breasts, or whatever, and you can't do that. You can't bite, you can't pinch. If that's what you're going to do, we can't have nummies, or we can't have nurses. You want to talk to your child. Usually it's an older child. One situation that I had with one of mine was, I don't remember which one it was either. I think it was either Galen or Honor. But the child would start drifting off to sleep and then some sort of sleepy reaction, their teeth would start clenching down a little bit. And of course, that that wasn't a conscious thing on the part of the child. So I just, as soon as I noticed that little one starting to drift off to sleep, I had my pinky ready and I was ready to break the latch and, and move the child away before I got bit. Um, so that, that could be something to do, you know, that look and see, is your child doing it consciously or not? And sometimes children will twiddle or pinch unconsciously and you can hold their hand or you may try nursing or teething jewelry. But, it, but again, if it's not something like the falling asleep, even if it's something unconscious, you can still help set boundaries and help your little one realize or become conscious that he or she is doing that. So you want to set strong boundaries if there's biting or pinching. And the hope is that if you set those clear, strong boundaries, the child will understand that I can't hurt mama if I want to continue nursing. And that will help break that habit or that problem so that you will be able to continue nursing. 
Another situation that can be really stressful with breastfeeding is when your milk supply is low. And that could literally take up an entire podcast episode by itself. And we're at the 30-minute mark now. So I have a an article discussing low milk supply, which I'll link to in these show notes, so that you can look at and understand some strategies that you can use to help boost your milk supply. And, uh, and that may help you overcome the discomfort or, you know, just the negative feelings about breastfeeding so that you can continue nursing. And if that's the situation or if in any of these situations like the biting and stuff, you're having a hard time and you can't resolve it, then call your local LHA league or your local lactation consultant and see if they can help you because being there with you in person and working with your specific situation may really help. Now, finally, before we end this episode, what if weaning is the answer? What if you've decided, okay, I've gone through all these things that Kristen talked about, and maybe we've tried this or that, or maybe I just know that I'm done. First, I would recommend starting with nursing at set times. And like I said, you may try nursing, um, you know, nursing for the set period of time, which I think really helps hasten weaning. Uh, gradually, you can gradually drop nursings, just like I talked about at night, you can do that during the day. Uh, bedtime and the first waking up nursing are usually the, they're usually the last ones to go. So you would drop nursings throughout the day, but when they get up, they can have a nursing and then you may not have another nursing till lunch and then not another till bedtime. And then you may drop the lunchtime nursing and then usually you drop the morning nursing and the bedtime one is the very last one to go and that's usually when it's helpful for daddy to take over the nighttime routine. A cup of water can be really helpful. Offer a cup of water when your child asks to nurse. I would advise against snacks. I would have snacks at a normal time so the morning snack and the afternoon snack but they don't coincide with asking to nurse just because you don't want to teach them to munch 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 all the time and you also don't want them to associate munching with comfort. Instead you can offer a cup of water and snuggles or reading a book or going for a walk with you or something some other activity that helps to connect the two of you. So you're replacing nursing not with munchy 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 but with connecting if that makes sense. And then I do want to answer that going cold turkey is an option. I mean, it's pretty traditional. Uh, women in a lot of cultures have put something uh, spicy or, or foul tasting on their nipples, and I don't recommend that, but I'm just sharing what's been done um, to help discourage the child, though sometimes that backfires and they keep nursing through it anyways. But some families do just choose to say, okay, we're done. Um, and then sometimes if you have especially a much older child, like a preschooler, or a three or four-year-old, you may agree upon a date in advance, like say the fourth birthday, and then they'll have that party and, and then they'll know that it's done. And for many older children, that's, that is an okay way to stop. Um, but, and then also if you look at animal mothers, they tend to wean pretty abruptly too, sometimes even violently, which I wouldn't recommend, but I just want to let you know that that going cold turkey is an option that works for some families. So I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying that for me, it's worked to be a little bit more gradual with the exception of a much, much, you know, a preschool child who's still nursing and then sometimes for them just a date and a cold turkey thing or something to help ease the transition like a birthday party or something can be helpful. But otherwise, yeah. So 
those are some options for perhaps avoiding weaning and then when weaning really might be the answer and when weaning really helps everybody to move on in their relationship and that's what I think you want to look at the family how the family is doing the relationship that you have with your child because breastfeeding does have immune benefits and nutrition benefits once your baby's past two years or so but a lot of it is really relational and just because you stop nursing doesn't mean that you're going to stop having that special relationship with your child so try and frame it that way and enjoy the time that you're nursing your baby I would encourage you to do it as long as it works for both of you and then enjoy the relationship that you have with your growing little one All right, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate it on iTunes. That helps other families to find out about it. If you would like more information from me to sign up for the newsletter to get tips for preparing for pregnancy, birth, and baby, please go to TrustBirth101. That's TrustBirth101.com. You can sign up there. Let me hear from you. I would love to, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.